0: Our Advent reading this morning from Isaiah chapter nine gave us some famous words that you've heard many times before. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor Prince of Peace. Advance many hundreds of years later And the shepherds are on the hillside, and they hear another announcement concerning peace. And the announcement concerning peace, just like the previous one in Isaiah chapter 9, is very familiar to you. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards man. But did you ever wonder who the shepherds were? We don't know. Did you ever wonder what happened to them after they heard the announcement? Besides going to the manger, we don't know. Did you ever wonder what the shepherds heard? Well, you say, that's pretty obvious. They just heard those words. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. But you know we all hear things differently. If I say one thing to you, This person hears something, and this person hears something else, and yet a third person hears maybe not a different thing, but a different emphasis. So I wonder what the shepherds heard the first time the announcement was made, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace. It's probably pretty clear that like anybody in first century Judea, they would have heard peace on earth. They would have heard a promise concerning peace in their world. And those shepherds, having the history of the nation of Israel in their blood, literally would have remembered many times where peace was not theirs. They would have remembered their history when they were delivered from an oppressive government in Egypt. And God parted a Red Sea and led them across to a desert they would remember that even after they inherited the land, they fought against enemies, people who wanted to do them harm and run them out of the land that God had given them. They may certainly have also remembered Isaiah 9 and the background to that passage because at that time, they were under the oppression of the Assyrian government, the Babylonian captivity, as it's often called. And in their current reality, they would have heard good news, peace in an oppressed land. A place where the heavy foot of Rome was on their neck and they could not be who they wished to be. So when they heard glory to God and the highest peace on earth, goodwill towards men, surely they thought, yes, the day has come. Finally, the peace has arrived. No doubt they thought that. But what did they discover? I don't mean what did they discover in the manger. We know what they discovered. They discovered the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Had they continued to follow, and that's a question mark. But had they continued to follow, had they become disciples of Christ, we don't know the answer to that. What would they have understood then? Concerning the first message of peace that was announced on the hillside. Well, here's one thing they would have discovered if they'd continued to follow. They would have continued to hear a message of personal peace. As a matter of fact, the message of personal peace was first related to God the Father and Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son. They would have heard over and over again themes like this, that I and the Father are one. They would have heard, peace I give you. They would have heard all kinds of phrases within their walking with Jesus and learning from Jesus that he had peace, personal peace. With God. That personal peace with God was not just His. That personal peace with God was an example of the way things can be between human beings and God. And in living out that personal peace, He gave them an invitation to step into that personal peace. He didn't, in effect, just say, because I'm so special, because I'm son of God, which he was, I am one with the Father. He invited them in relationship with him to enter the same kind of peace, oneness with the Father. He invited them to walk with him and understand that walking with him meant peace, and to understand that you could have peace that passed all understanding by having your will united with with God the Father, that you were created for this. That's one of the messages they would have heard concerning peace. Another message they would have heard concerning peace is that there was a final, complete, perfect peace that was yet on the horizon. If they'd walked with Jesus, they would have understood that His presence didn't create global peace. They would have understood that all around Him, there was still conflict going on. All around Him, there was death and disease and hostility and animosity among brothers and sisters. They would have understood that. But they also would have continued to long for something that they first heard in that first declaration. Good news. Absolute, perfect, complete peace is coming. My friends, that's really the message of Advent. The message of Advent is that God, through Jesus Christ, as He came once, is going to come again. And when He comes again, He's going to make everything new. He's going to wrap it up. He's going to complete it. Talk about a Christmas present That is perfect, he will usher in his kingdom, a kingdom of perfect peace, a kingdom where Satan, Satan, our number one enemy, Satan, the main adversary that destroys peace, Satan will be bound and all sin and death will be vanquished. Why? Because he promised. Sometimes, around Christmas, we hear the word peace. And our hearts stir within us, if only momentarily. And then, a real world creeps in. And we know that within our family, there's tremendous conflict. We realize that Within a worshiping community, there's conflict. We know that hostility exists all around our world, and we say, where is the peace? We could say that this longing for peace is just a part of our human nature. We just want peace so much because we experience the opposite, so why should we crave peace? Or we could say, that the idea of perfect peace is planted deep within the human heart as a homing signal for all things perfect with God. You could be skeptical and suggest it's just a coping mechanism. Or you could believe, like I do, that it's planted deep within your being by God. And if you do believe that, even when peace is not on your doorstep, you must, my friends, believe in Jesus, the giver of peace. So that in these moments, whatever your chaos, you can experience the peace of God. And in those moments where you experience deep, satisfying peace, you remember that final, complete peace is yet to come. I think we, we need the message over and over again, because we need to remember. Eugene Peterson, many years ago, wrote these words, I am ever and always a stranger to grace. If you know anything about Eugene Peterson, it almost seems like those words aren't true. He wasn't a stranger to grace. He preached it over and over and over again. Few things characterize his ministry more than grace and peace. But he said that, even I am ever always a stranger to grace. And he said, I need this annual angel visitation to know that the virgin conceives And God is with us. We need it over and over again. Why? So that we can follow the Savior and experience peace. Why? So we can believe the promise once again and know it's true and not a fantasy. Why? So we can practice peace Peace, you know, is not a static reality. Peace is an active reality. So in our world, no matter where we are or what our influence, we have the opportunity to bring peace to it. And finally, we can pray for peace. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. There's a wonderful verse that's tucked away in 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 58. It says, as you await the Lord's return, be unmoved. Sounds like inactivity, doesn't it? Just sit there and wait. That's not what Paul means. We know Paul well enough to mean that it's an active peace. As you await, be busy about the activity of peace. As you await, be busy about pronouncing peace. As you await, allow the peace of God to be yours. Because you know that someday, finally, it's all going to be complete in the goodness of Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to conclude with a prayer. Not a prayer I wrote, but a prayer that was written by Frederick Beekner. I don't want you to look at me while I read the prayer. I want you to bow your heads and think about prayer and our Lord. Thou Son of the Most High, Prince of Peace, be born again into our world. Wherever there is war in this world, wherever there is pain, Wherever there is loneliness, wherever there is hope, come, thou long-expected one, with healing in thy wings, holy child whom the angels and the shepherds and the kings and, and the dumb beasts adored, be born again wherever there is boredom, wherever there is fear or failure, wherever there's temptation too strong to resist, wherever there is bitterness of heart, come thou blessed one with healing in thy wings. Savior, be born in each of us who raises his face to thy face. Not knowing fully who he is, or who thou art, knowing only that thy love is beyond his knowing, and that no other has the power to make him whole. So come, Lord Jesus, to each who longs for thee, even if he's forgotten thy name. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.